Welcome back to Perspective. Today, I get to record season one, episode three, with the founders of Row Rave, and I could not be more excited to hear about this successful student-run music event. For those of you who haven't heard, it is a one-night EDM event that brings awareness to the underrepresented DJs and artists within the USC community. All DJs performing are USC students nominated by their peers, and this Battle of the DJs was the event of the summer as they kicked off the school year with more than 1,200 students. I'm going to be chatting today with Jordan Bamberg, Julia Tribolet, and Chloe Tan in hopes of exploring everything Row Rave, from the initial idea all the way to the first set at their summer event. With that being said, let's see what Jordan, Julia, and Chloe's perspective really is. All right, ladies, welcome to Perspective. I'm so happy to have all of you on. Um, I've never really interviewed more than one person, so I'm so excited to have a full studio today. It's a party up in here today. (laughs) Um, I genuinely have so many questions for all of you and can't wait to get started. Um, However, first, I just want to express my admiration for all of you because your creation of Row Wave is amazing. You guys put on a full music festival as college students and not to mention an all-female team. So we love that. And it's pretty remarkable because I'm sure it was far from easy as you will explain today and not to mention extremely successful. So props to all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. All right. So to get started, if we could just all go around, tell the listeners a little bit about your life, you know, the typical major hometown, um, other relevant info, and then also mention what position you hold at Row Rave and what responsibilities come with that. Right. Um, So I'll start. My name is Jordan Bamberg. I am the CEO and co-founder of Row Rave. I am a communications major here at USC, and um, I'm from Seal Beach, California. My main um, role through Row Rave was just overseeing all operations from marketing, um, sales, advertising, um, major communication with any investors that we were looking at, and um, just basically overall web design. But that was that was my role. Uh, I can go next. Um, my name is Chloe Tan. My major is Health and Human Sciences. Um, I'm from the Bay Area, specifically Danville. Um, and my position for Row Rave was CMO, and so I was pretty much in charge of marketing and all the social media and graphic design. Um, I'm Julia. I am originally from Dallas, Texas. I am a communications major and a French minor. And I was COO of Row Rave, so Chief Operations Officer. I worked with all of our partners, vendors, sponsors, um, and worked really on the organization of the event overall, as well as venue production, et cetera. Yeah, that's interesting that none of you guys are music industry majors or business yeah. or anything like that. Right. I, so I'm sure this was like a learning curve for all oh, of you. Totally. Yeah. Thousand and percent. Also, there's just so many, so many aspects that go into putting on a music festival. And I don't know, you guys kind of alluded to that with like marketing and just organization investors. There's so many different aspects. So I guess just to start, like, how did you come up with the idea for Row Rave? Because I don't know, it's just such a such a great one. I like. Were you all just like sitting at dinner and like? I feel like every good idea like starts like with a pen and like a napkin and like writing it on. You know what yeah. I mean? Something like that for sure. Juju, yeah. if you wanna. We were all actually in a car, just talking, and we were really talking about 
all of our friends that are DJs and fraternities and sororities and we were just admiring them so much, like how incredible it is that they make their own music and they perform in front of these huge crowds, but they don't really get any platform recognition, any of that. Um, So we thought to ourselves, it'd be really, really cool if we could bring them all together and create a music festival event where everyone from every fraternity, sorority, anyone that goes to USC in general could come together and listen to some really awesome music created by some really cool USC students. I knew it was a good story. <laughs> I feel like every good idea like has the coolest like origin story. So awesome. that's so, super interesting. So how did you take this idea in admiration for all the USC DJs and artists and make it a reality? Because I feel like I don't know, maybe this is just me personally, but I have all these, what I think are great ideas, and then I never act on them, because it's like, I don't know, I'm like, oh, in a dream world, like, that would be super cool to do, or, like, something like that, but I never, like, act on it. So what was, like, the first step that you guys took where you're like, okay, we're putting on a full music festival by ourselves? A hundred percent. I definitely think, you know, the car story is something that I remember very vividly being, like, one of the craziest moments of my life, because it felt like, for the first time ever, I actually felt like a light bulb went off in all of our heads. Um, We were getting back, um, back to Victory, the apartment, legendary apartment of Chloe, Julia, Nadia, and our um, other partner. And we were all, you know, just freaking out at the idea. We get back inside. Chloe is full blown building the entire Row Rave logo. And we're doing like marketing campaigns in the car, just brainstorming, throwing ideas out there. We get back up to the apartment and I start calling, you know, people who I think can help us um, business wise, you know, music wise, start getting some ideas and pitching it to people. And we're up in the apartment and I call who later became our main investor, Josh Fockery um, of Livin. And I call him and I'm like, hey, I want to, you know, put on this show. We want to do it in two weeks. Um, We want to do it in the middle of the desert in Joshua Tree. No electricity, no permits, no, you know, anything. Um, And he essentially just told me, you're absolutely crazy go try again and come back to me with a better idea. And that phone call for sure humbled all of us um, because at that point we were running completely off of adrenaline and and I definitely think that if it wasn't for him just humbling us in that moment, we probably would have gone on to put on a, a decent show but not a fantastic show in the way that we could have. Um, so it was definitely good to have somebody overseeing us in all aspects of what Row Rave could have been. I love the initial adrenaline of like running yeah, back and like stop jumping in right away. Hundred percent. I can like imagine that so vividly for some reason. Like you working on the pu- the computer, you like making a few phone calls. Like we were that's running amazing. around. Yeah, hundred percent. But at the same time, we had no idea what we were yeah. doing. So yeah, that's okay. Like, that's like where the best things happen. Zero direction. It was yeah. so so fun. So you mentioned um, like you jumped right on the logo and the marketing strategy. So I guess this is for you, Chloe, as yeah. CMO. Um, from an outsider's perspective, I feel like Row Rave did a really good job of getting the word out there and raising awareness because I remember, I think maybe I followed them or maybe the Instagram followed me. I'm not really sure, but I remember I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Like I was just like captivated by it. I was like, what is this? And I like wanted to learn more. And I think you guys did a few like giveaways. That was super smart. Got the word out even more. Like my stories, I was just clicking through and it just all was real rave. So what was your specific strategy if you had one at all or kind of did you just like, 
um, play it by ear and yeah, see what happened. So, to be honest, I didn't have much of a marketing strategy. And my major is not anything that has to do with marketing PR. So yeah. I kind of was winging it almost. But graphic design and social media marketing is something that I've always had a passion for. So I was super excited to work on this project. Um, but when we first started, I think um, it's hard to start an Instagram account when you have no following followers. Um, and so I think our tactic was following as many people as we could just to get the word out there. So they got a notification on their phone. What's this new Row Rave account? It kind of started spreading that way. Um, and I think one of the cool things that um, was part of our Instagram was the DJ spotlights. And that's kind of how we did a get to know the DJs that were performing. Um, and it was great because we also implemented later on this ambassador program where we had um, ambassadors for each DJ who kind of helped us to market on their own Instagram accounts. So it's, you know, whatever following they had, whatever whoever they knew from USC, um, they were able to get the word out. Um, and I think the Instagram was just a great way because many students at USC are most likely um, to have an Instagram. So it was something that was easily accessible and it got the word out, so yeah. Yeah, it was definitely effective for your target audience mm -hmm. of college students. That was definitely a smart move. Did you do any marketing like off of social media? Was social media like the main route? Yeah, I, I think that once it came to later events, we started doing like physical advertisements. So we were going to FedEx and printing out flyers. Um, Chloe actually thought of the idea to go and print out all of these row rave stickers, which we ended up like going down the row and physically putting on every single pole down Very the row. Smart. The purple row rave sticker that was so like iconic to our branding. Um, and that was just genius on Chloe's part. But other than that, I mean, we we tried to literally do everything when I mean, we were putting up row rave posters in Rock and Riley's and all of the main like USC like had basically headquarters of social life. Um, we wanted Row Rave's name to be plastered over everything so that everybody who was, you know, within the circle or wanted to be a part of like the, the social life at USC, they had an opportunity to, you know, experience what we wanted them to. It was really cool. I can't believe I didn't ask this yet. How did you come up with the name? I just thought of this. <laughs> I think it I think it was a mix of all of us and we were just sitting in the car and I remember I was sitting in the front seat and our, we had a driver and, and the girls were in the back and I remember turning around and looking at Julia and she was like, what's the name gonna be? And I was like, it's gotta be something with the row, you know? It has yeah. to be something that's iconic to mm -hmm. USC that can really, you know, just just land the name exactly what we wanted it to be. And I think it was just an overall consensus that Row Rave was gonna be it. I don't even yeah. remember the, the, yeah. the other options that we had. I don't think we ever had any other options, yeah, honestly. I much. think, yeah, we were, once we got the Row Rave, once we heard it for the first time, you're we like, that's it, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it exactly. works. The alliteration, yeah. Row Rave, yeah, it just exactly. kind of, Ours. yeah, it works. Yeah. Okay, now moving into the logistics a little bit, how did you decide on a venue? Because I feel like that kind of curates the vibe, for lack of a better sure. word. And so that's like a big part. Of yeah, especially. and honestly, the venue was probably the biggest obstacle that we faced just because it was so difficult to find a venue that was willing to accommodate that many college students that we also thought was cool for our branding that was somewhat within a 
good distance to USC so people didn't have to travel too far. And that was within our budget. And it was also during COVID. So a lot of venues, I think, were nervous about hosting a big event, but things were starting to open up and people wanted business again. Um, so we ended, we toured like three venues before we landed on Wisdom. Um, and we were really excited about our other venues. Each time we would get really excited, we'd go tour, we'd be like, set everything up in our heads, we'd draw out plans, and then we'd get, we'd get a call and they'd be like, we can't have your event, or it's not in our budget. And then we'd be so disappointed and we'd be like, oh my gosh, where do we go from here? And then finally, it was just trial and error, trial and error. Um, we heard about Wisdom and it ended up being the perfect venue just because they had the visual aspect. It was It's very unique. It's not just a warehouse downtown. It had this outdoor element. There was the visual aspect when you were inside at the stages and they had all the production that we needed. So it really ended up working out perfectly, even with all the trial and error. It was honestly, we couldn't have asked for a better venue, a better case. Yeah. So can you explain it a little bit for people that didn't attend? Um, Because I know I couldn't get a hold of tickets. so Unfortunately, (laughs) I couldn't go. But okay. so you like walked. I remember seeing like Snapchat videos, Instagram stories, etc. So you walk in and it was it literally just like a white dome, right? So there were multiple white domes. And we had two of them. Okay. Um, And a small one where that had like a seating area. But it also had this great outdoor space, which is where we set up all of our USC vendors, like USC Vintage, Brokefish Beats, like all of those great USC student-run companies that we really wanted to promote. And they were front and center right when you walked in before you even got to the music. You got to hang out, explore, hang out with your friends. You could also hear the music from that was coming from the domes also. Um, and then inside, there were we had two different stages. And each stage had a different DJ going and you could flow between the two stages. I feel like that's nice because it gives the people coming an option to like just go to different stages. Like if they'd rather hear like one set over another, that's important, like choice. I think also a part of our decision to do two domes was we I remember it was a huge thing that we didn't know how to figure out the times of the sets. And so it worked out perfectly because in terms of the event, I think we only had until what, like 1 a.m. And so we had to fit all of our DJs within this time frame. Mm, and so cutting it up into two separate domes where it was like staggered was perfect for um, just organizing who was playing where. A hundred percent. And I think another thing too that was so crucial for us was the ability to be um, the the doors in between the two domes were open at all times. So not only did you have the opportunity to go outside and go get something at the food truck in the outdoor space and go look at the vendors, but you were able to, you know, fluctuate between the two domes, like almost seamlessly. So if you weren't, you know, we were really worried that people were going to stay at one stage or, you Mm -hmm. know, continue bouncing from stage to stage where it was more or less just a constant flow of people being able to experience new different types of music, which was what we wanted to do. We wanted it to be an equal opportunity for everyone. And that's what we, you know, ended up making it feel like it was, it was easy for people and accessible for people to go experience all different types of DJs that we had performing that night. Yeah, it also keeps it exciting for people and definitely captivating. If there's just like always something new to go and experience, like, yeah, it really just keeps people engaged, right. which is super cool. But talking and touching a little bit on the DJs, can you explain a little bit more about the battle of the DJs component of the festival 
and maybe like how you decided the order um like did you give the djs a specific time frame that they had to do their set or like how did that all work like basically just like communicating back and forth with them a hundred percent so you know a lot of this did have to do with like our friends that were djs before this entire idea was mainly inspired by our friends who are so incredibly talented that you know truly deserve an opportunity to you know express their creativity and their artistry in their own way um so a lot of we were going back and forth with one of our best guy friends who ended up playing at Row Rave. And, you know, he was explaining, he was like, hey, you know, how's this whole like set times thing gonna go? How's the lineup gonna go? And we were really contemplating between all of us, you know, how are we gonna put on a show when we have four hours at a venue and we have 16 total DJs? We had 10 sets, but we had That's 16 DJs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cause we had everybody playing B2B and we had, you know, some artists were going solo. So we were, you know, going back and forth with the idea. And then we initially decided, you know, we're not going to put one um, DJ over the other. We're going to let it essentially be up to them. So of the day, like on the day that we were dropping tickets, it was one of the most chaotic days ever for sure. Um, But we had spoken to the DJs a few nights before and we'd said, you know, we're going to drop tickets on this day at this time. We're not going to tell any of the, you know, audience consumers on marketing, anything. We were not going to tell them when we were dropping tickets. Um, But just letting you guys know, the set times is essentially going to be designed based on how much you guys individually sell. So we put it up to the, we put it up to the DJs essentially to push as hard as they wanted to, depending on how high up in the lineup they wanted to be. That's really smart. We didn't want people. yeah. Yeah. We didn't want people to be upset about their, their position in the set time and making it seem like it was our decision based on who was better than whatever. It didn't matter to us. We wanted to see how hard they wanted to work for it and how bad they wanted to be on the lineup. Um, so that was really cool to be able to, number one, take our hands off of it and not be in a bad place, but yeah, to, you know, have outside an outside push equal opportunity. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was all about equal opportunity for us. That's so interesting. Very yeah. smart move but yeah. on your part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause it gives the DJs an incentive to mm-hmm. promote so. it, but also it gives the people what they want. Exactly. If they saw it because of X DJ, then they're probably going to see ex-DJ so it just makes sense yeah Yeah. exactly that's great 100% so what was the most surprising thing about running a music festival because I'm sure random things like popped up that you were like wait what I have to deal with that like (laughs) I don't know why this popped into my head but when I was thinking about Row Rave I was like wow they had to like book security and get barricades for um the like DJ sets I was like wow like so much goes into this that you just wouldn't necessarily think off the top of your head so like what was the most surprising thing for each of you I mean I think that I can speak for all of us I think that as soon as we accomplished something we felt like there was something immediately that came up that was more important that we didn't necessarily you know plan out in our schedule or think about uh beforehand I mean especially on the day of we were we got there eight hours before doors even opened and we were struggling to finish like stage productions lighting sound audio visual everything like it was it was absolutely chaotic but I think the main thing was just that every time that you thought something was done there was something else that was needed more promptly running to-do list a hundred percent always yeah it was it was insane and I think especially day of site production for sure was something that 
you know, I mean, being able to strategically place the porta potties in enough proximity away from the food and and thinking about the small things that, you know, logistically would not have flowed as properly or as like the way that we wanted it to if we hadn't have thought about it beforehand. And we didn't um, because everything was just constantly um, just improvisation, essentially. Yeah. Did you guys have like a mentor or something like telling you like where to find porta potties? Like I wouldn't even know where to start with that. I wouldn't know where to start with like a security company. Like how yeah. did you like know what to do essentially? So I, I and I want to let the other girls speak too, but the the main person who helped us was Josh. Josh was okay. Josh is high level at this company called Live in Life, which is a collegiate travel sales company that I had interned for over the summer. Um, and he essentially became our main investor, our our mentor. Um, he gave us essentially the tools to make this all possible just by giving us advice and constantly pushing us and and providing us with you know opportunities so you know if I wanted to go have the girls and I go look at a venue in Long Beach or in the arts district he was the one handing me all the contacts to go reach out to those people it wasn't necessarily all him but he was telling us this is what you need to do this is who you need to contact this is where you're going to find these people and um we essentially just delegated tasks between the five of us and and through that we accomplished everything that we needed to yeah yeah that's nice that you had him to kind of walk you through a little bit I mean you guys did all of the heavy lifting I'm sure but we would be nothing without him yeah for sure (laughs) sure. because there's like I said like I don't I wouldn't even have thought to get porta potties like I would have been at the venue and been like oh shoot (laughs) we need this and then like have been running around crazy so yeah and also you explained a little bit how you delegated tasks. What was the dynamic between you guys, like all the founders? I feel like in order to put something onto this caliber, everyone has to be like all in and just willing to jump on whatever task that there is to be done. So can you tell me a little bit about that? And especially how you navigated things not being or not having background in the music industry business. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about everyone on our team is we are all pretty self-motivated and it was especially something that we were all passionate and excited about and excited to do together. Obviously there were hard times and we were dealing with a lot of things at one time, but it honestly made all of us super close. Mm -hmm. Um, We went through a lot together and we had a great time together. Even during the difficult periods, we'd be able to step back and be like, okay, let's watch a movie tonight instead of like working on stuff because we need to take a minute for ourselves and for each other. Um, But I think overall we all had such strong motivation and passion for what we were doing. So at most times didn't even feel like work. We were just all really enjoying it. Yeah. That's the amazing thing about doing something you love. Exactly. That's definitely something I wanted to touch on too, was like, you know, being five best friends and having, I was the only one who didn't live with them. They lived in an apartment together, the four of them. And, you know, we would be able to just be hanging out and we would think of a cool idea and we would tell Chloe, hey, go make this graphic. Let me know what you can do. And she would just be sitting at the dinner table or we'd be watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians or something random. And and she would be, you know, 
just working so hard all day and it was just really really cool to like be able to step back and admire your friends for what they were doing and how hard they were working it was and a lot of times all of us were overworked we were working 12 hour unpaid days for three plus months just working towards something that we didn't even know we would actually be able to accomplish but to be able to have those days where julia especially would step up all the time and be like you need a break you need to go take a step back and like go take a day off go go for a, a walk outside or go do something for yourself it was just incredible to see how our work dynamic was so positive constantly and and how we were just wanting to support each other essentially it was really cool i think our dynamic of being best friends from the start was something that's super unique to row rave just because it was something that like we all said it didn't feel like work but we were like consumed by it so even when we were hanging out doing like a normal thing on a thursday night it was like row rave was constantly on our minds it was something that like we were so excited to work on that it was a constant like conversation that was happening we were always talking about it i even just remember one day i was at home with my mom like i wasn't in la and i checked my call log and i had been on the phone with jordan for 10 hours that day <laughs> oh my yeah. just talking yeah. about Ray raven oh, where I'm we sure. were gonna go yeah and what our direction was yeah it's all consuming but i love that you guys had fun with it because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times passion projects like start out of passion, obviously, and then it gets to this point where like you're not having fun anymore. And I don't know. I like to think that if you're not having fun anymore, don't do it because yeah, it's right. not serving you. But I love that you guys had fun with it mm-hmm. and were able to enjoy it. And I'm sure that was reflected in the event. As I said, I yeah. didn't able was not able to go, and I'm really sad about that. But I'm happy that <laughs> I'm here getting to learn a little bit more about it. Um, we got you next time. Okay, so can you guys walk me through the day of the summer row rave event? Because I'm sure you guys didn't sleep the night before. It was super hectic. As you said, you got there eight hours before. So can you just kind of like walk me through and also how it felt when you like heard that first song playing and you were like, okay, we did it. Because I'm sure that was the most rewarding thing in the world. Um, Yeah, so the day of the event was honestly, it feels like a fever dream looking back on it. Obviously, we were so excited. I remember I barely got any sleep the night before just because it was like such a big deal that it was finally here. The day was like the day that we had spent three plus months working on. Like it it was crazy to think that it was actually becoming a reality. Um, But I remember when we got to the venue, um, I actually hadn't seen it. That was my first time seeing it. I remember I couldn't make it to the day that they originally toured it. Um, So when I had stepped foot at the at wisdom it was like i was taking it all in but the second that we got there it was like we were running around like crazy because there was just so much to do before um the event actually started and i remember um i was actually i was in charge of the banners and kind of setting up wristband pickup but we had we were kind of like our own team we didn't have anybody else helping us set up so we were the ones running around putting up the banner setting up tables Um, We kind of had like a photo op that we had set up and it was very hectic because there was just so many things to do. And I remember like leading up to everybody like coming and the DJs actually coming to perform. It was like such a blur almost just because everything was happening at once. Um, And it was constant adrenaline because it was just there's so much to do in so little time because I don't know, it was just... (laughs) 
Like I, I have, I'm like at a loss for words because it was <laughs> right. just like it was such a fever dream. I think to add on to that, we were also pretty exhausted from yeah. the two weeks, the two days before that, where we were doing wristband mm-hmm. pickup because we already had so much stress about making sure our spreadsheets were right, that we had everyone's names, confirmations, emails, etc., so that there was no mix-ups with tickets. And so we had been working for a really long time for the two days before it just trying to get everyone their tickets and wristbands and then yeah finally the day got there and we were like oh my gosh now we have a full day yeah, we gotta actually, actually do it yeah. on the event and everything that we thought was gonna flow smoothly didn't oh like, it never does every yeah. single does. thing like we we had planned out you know for days you know what is all the promotional material gonna look like how's it gonna stand up where are we gonna position everything where's the food trucks gonna go in proximity to the vendors and how are we gonna be able to like make it so that like the flow of people was gonna be linear and and every single thing that we thought we had you know just checked off our list we were like shoot we got something else to do with it or we forgot this or we needed to do this I mean the day of operations wise was absolutely insane especially with everyone having delegated tasks and it seeming like everyone was touching on every single aspect of everything from sound you know we had sound check four hours before those doors opened and it was just I felt like all of us were just trying to get everything done in time while simultaneously getting ourselves ready for, you know, that whole thing. That was just the whole day was a movie yeah, to say the yeah, least. Yeah. And I'm sure that to-do list of yours was just snowballing. Oh, like yeah. one thing doesn't work. Okay. Four more things we got. <laughs> yeah. exactly. like, that's just how life goes sometimes, yeah. but especially in this instance. Exactly. Right. So since the big event, that kicked off the new school year, what other events has Row Rave done? So essentially, Josh was a main focal point in the success of Row Rave, and his influence on us was constant. He was always trying to brainstorm with us new ideas on how to push Row Rave further and past other competing companies that were seemingly um, projecting in the same speed that we were. So we wanted to differentiate ourselves and make it a almost more legitimate corporation, if that makes any sense. I mean, yeah. we we had no experience, we had no background, but from the first event and the, the reviews that we had, we s- knew that we had something special. So from that moment, we, I mean, the day after Row Rave happened on August 19th, you know, I woke up that next morning and I was like, okay, we got to start planning the next one. <laughs> like I went straight into their room and no I was sleep. like, yeah, no <laughs> sleep. Like we, like it was just a constant grind. And then we came to the conclusion that we wanted to do something in the nightlife space and start not necessarily taking over like a club scene, but working in that direction promotion wise. Um, so Josh told us that there was an opportunity for us to put six DJs from Row Rave in um, main time slots at some of the largest night and day clubs in Las Vegas. Um, That event ended up going well. We had it the weekend of fall break. It was great. We all went out. We had a great time. Um, But it definitely was not as much of a hands-on experience as the initial Row Rave event was. I felt as though it was absolutely amazing and everybody had a great time and it was just it wasn't as large as we expected based on the fact that obviously Vegas is 21 and up. And a lot of our consumers from the first yeah. event were, were freshmen, sophomores, juniors, um, who didn't have as much you know, introduction into Greek life, into the social life at USC, which was why they wanted to go so bad. Um, but the second event went 
great. We all had a fantastic time. The DJs were satisfied with their sets. And from there, we've just been building business-wise to, you know, grow our audience and see where else it'll take us. Yeah. And that leads me into my final and most important question, I would (laughs) argue, is where do you see Row Rave going? How is it going to evolve in the future? Um, Do you have anything to look forward to anything exciting in the works I saw some teasers on your Instagram about mm-hmm. hosting something at the Galen Center so I, I know if you can touch on that but. yeah I mean I think we all, we've talked about from the beginning that our biggest dream with Row Rave would be to have a tent at Coachella where our DJs could perform at and even be on a bigger scale because our whole brand is about promoting DJs at colleges um Right now, even though we don't have anything specifically in terms of dates or anything like that, we are def- we definitely have some really great ideas and we're definitely looking forward to hopefully continuing in the future as we graduate and kind of see where our job lives take us and hopefully we'll have some more more rave events in the future. Yes. When I can attend, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. No, you're first on our guest list for sure. <laughs> absolutely. You. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we are going to move into our speed round. Now, usually I ask questions about fashion, lifestyle, culture, and wellness, since perspective is an extension of Spec Magazine, and these are the core topics of the publication. However, today I'm going to do something a little bit different and keep the questions all music-related, since, after all, you are the founders of Row Rave, a music festival. So I'll ask a question, and then everyone can just go around and say their answers. Super easy, quick answers so sound good yes sounds great okay thought this would be a great question for all of you let's settle the debate apple music or spotify 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 definitely spotify 100 percent of the day that's awkward that i'm an apple <laughs> user, but that's okay you gotta cross over it's like I you're on know, the dark side but here's the thing i started on apple music oh. and now transferring all my playlists sounds like the worst thing in the world yeah so I feel like you're one or the other. And I know, but I get it. it. Spotify is better. I will admit, but <laughs> and a lot I'm more stuck. aesthetically pleasing. Like you gotta, you gotta, and it's also it's not as hard for you to transition all of your music playlist wise over to Spotify. I did it in a course of ten hours. If you just space it out, ten it's hours. The, I, not, I definitely like think that's that like nothing. hundred percent. I gotta do that in the summer or something when I have some more time on my hands. Yeah, but. I have an absurd amount of playlists, so that's why it took me that long. But I'm sure it would be much faster for you. Okay, I might. You have do to do it. You have Hold to. Hold the plug. I might just do it. You have to. <laughs> Okay, what's a song that reminds you of your childhood or it's just like nostalgic in general? I would say like old Taylor Swift, like mm. You Belong With Me, yes. Love Story. That's very nostalgic for me. I'd say like old Miley Cyrus, Han Montana. I was really, I was a big Han Montana fan. <laughs> and I think that I'm probably gonna go with like Yo by Chris Brown. Okay. Old R&B, for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. I loved Jordan Sparks. Oh, that was yeah. when I was, was little. Great. Was and great. I remember I went to the Jonas Brothers concert and she opened up and it was like oh my so great. So any of those songs for me are just like, oh, yeah. sorry, you, I'm answering these questions too now. <laughs> no, you should. No, join <laughs> Did you ever watch American Idol? Was that ever something that you were into? Like Kelly Clarkson? Like, yes, but I feel like I was almost too young. And then by the time where I was like actually paying attention, it was getting, it was kind of on the downward trend. On the decline, yeah. yeah. Got it. 
Okay, if you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? This is such a hard question, oh, I know. That's a tough one. I always say my favorite song in the world is Ultralight Beam by Kanye West. That's a great one. It's a really good song. I'm the most indecisive person ever. <laughs> me too, so I have, like, me too. like 20 favorite songs. Um, I don't, I don't think I have a favorite song. Oh, Chloe, come on. <laughs> you got this. I would say that mine would most likely be The Spins by Mac Miller or Great Good one. Life by Kanye West. Mm-hmm. 100%. Really? Bump that in my grave. I think I'm with Chloe on this one. Yeah, I don't think I, I can choose. Decide. It's hard. There's so many great songs. Because also it's like, do I want to go for like... So many more? different genres. Yes. I don't yeah. know like what I want yeah. for the yeah. rest of my life <laughs> for this like one song. But um, okay, now who's an underground artist you think everyone should know about? That's a tricky question. My brain, when I think that, just automatically goes like, just listen to our Row Rave DJs, listen yeah. to their yes. mixes on Spotify and on SoundCloud. Yeah, like, SoundCloud. just push that as uh, much as possible. Hundred percent. Those are that is definitely our answer. Like, just listen to them. Like, get to experience what they're trying to produce. Like, they are the future of music, and they are going to influence the industry much more than any of us ever could. So we're, you know. They are the underground artists to listen mm-hmm. to, for sure. Yeah, All for 16 sure. of them. Great answer. Um, favorite music genre? I think, that for me, it depends on my mood. Yeah. Definitely. I'd agree. Definitely. I would still say I go for, like, pretty hard rap. Even, like, depending on, like, my mood still, I still feel like mm-hmm. I can I can find a way. It, that's I know it's a very interesting answer, but that's definitely, that's definitely my answer. I don't know. I know. This is... It's hard. I'm a big country music fan. Mm. And I think I would pick country. Oh, I like it. I'm from Texas, so... <laughs> I, I respect I know. it. I respect when it. When I came to USC, everyone... I would, like, play it, and everyone was like, what the heck is that? So <laughs> I'm not just listening to, like, pop country. Johnny like, Cash. so good. Yeah, so good. Um, Tyler oh. Chowder is my oh, yeah. favorite artist just in the world. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would give anything to see him live, but... Stay um, But, yeah, so you're a country music I fan. do like country music. I don't... I definitely don't listen to it as much now being living in California and every time I play it I feel like I get evil <laughs> a little, a little bit yeah. but it's fine it's fine for my birthday party at some point in my college career I don't know when that's gonna be exactly but I want to have like a country themed party <laughs> and only my, play country music my last birthday was Texas themed oh I love that yes. we didn't play country music but thank goodness I'm See, sorry I'm, you can come but I'm only playing country music sorry I might be, be the there. only one having a good time I'll be there I'll care. have a good time with you care. I'll still be there <laughs> I'll still show up just for you Chloe I'm I'm telling you just give it a try because I didn't. I was a country music hater as well, and mm. then I evolved. I, I, yeah, I came over and I listened to it a little bit every day, and then oh, it's so feel good and amazing. It, it just is. reminds me of like the, my favorite things in the world, like summer, <laughs> beaches, lakes. Yes, totally. Oh, sorry, I love I could, the aesthetic. I could talk aesthetic. about country music for hours. <laughs> but anyways, okay. Next question: How do you organize your playlist? Because I feel like this says a lot about a person. I think by mood. Mood. Okay. Yeah, I have like throwback, a playlist for throwback songs, mood, yeah, like also by genre, I feel like. Yeah, occasions maybe. Oh, that's a good one. I I definitely think that I stopped doing this because my OCD like didn't, 
it, it's not as bad anymore as it used to be, but I used to do um, playlists based on the month. So I would be able to go okay. back to that playlist from that month and be able to remember the nostalgic feelings of being mm-hmm. in that time and mm-hmm. what that music reminded me of. Yeah, 100%. I stopped doing that as of like December of 2021, but it's pretty cool to be able to look back and be like, that's what I used to bump in Dikai when I was yes. a sophomore and, <laughs> and do whatever. Yeah, super cool. I love going back to my old playlist from high school. Oh, yeah. It's like... Brings you back. It really does. And it's always like, there's a million songs that I always forget about. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Okay, this is my last little speed round question. I think it's it's an important one. Okay, so imagine you're on Ox at a game day tailgate. What are you going to play? (laughs) I think we all have, like, the same answer. Hit it, Julia. Are we... Bitch, I go to USC? <laughs> I think that's, that's a good just answer. Every game day in the morning, that would be the first song that we would play. Yeah. Okay, yeah. To get us that's all excited. Valid. That is valid. It definitely it's... brings the energy on game day, but only for USC. Yeah, 100%. Very USC true. <laughs> Any, like, house, like, what's, I don't know. I'm not going to sing it because that's just going <laughs> to not end well. But, like, On My Mind by Diplo and Side Piece. That's exactly what I was going for. I was literally just about to break (laughs) into that. A hundred percent. That's definitely one of our bangers too. I think that our whole house, because we all live together now. um, I definitely think that our whole house overall like song that could encompass our friendship is Way Too Sexy by Drake and Young Thug. And you hear that song in the Nino and we're all like, it's it's crazy. We go crazy for sure. (laughs) What's your favorite? So is that your favorite Drake song? No, she I'm, loves Drake. Yeah, she's a big. I'm, fan. I'm a What's your favorite? I went through I, a Drake phase in high school. <laughs> I honestly think that my favorite song. I mean, I played it the entire morning this morning, getting ready. I would say it's probably "Look What You've Done" okay. by the Take Care album from like 2014. Um, I like old Drake, okay. old and unreleased Drake is like my jam, my bread and butter. I love Child's Play. Mm. That's one of my favorite of songs of all time. I can use as a legendary album. Yes. Right Hand, also a great one. Underrated, I feel Unre- like. Unreal. Unreal. Drake oh. has a lot of good un- un- underrated. underrated songs. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I saw him in concert. It was great. Did you go to the one at the Coliseum with Kanye? No. Okay, wait. We didn't I either. didn't oh, know shit, that. Actually. We I didn't. found a way we to live go. I was, it. Yeah, we I, were bummed. I am so mad. I didn't know that was happening. And what? I had class till 8 p.m. that day. So I like go on my phone after class. I'm sitting in my apartment and I'm like, wait, Drake and Kanye are like a mile yeah. away from me and I didn't even know. I was so no. upset. Oh, I know. It looked we so fun. We were yeah. bummed. I was so upset. I was, I literally you like, had to be I, I found a way to go. Like yeah, I literally was like, <laughs> I, I, there's no way that I can miss this being that like Drake is within walking distance from my school. Like oh, I can't do that for so myself. Upset. Like my dad would have been upset too. <laughs> like he was like, it, it was insane. One of the best concerts I've ever been to for sure. That's just a great pairing and legendary pairing, too. Like, so legendary. All right, it looks like we've come to the end of yet another episode of Perspective. Make sure to follow Spec Mag USC on Instagram so you get updates about new episodes and make sure to check out Row Rave on Instagram to stay up to date about upcoming events. Jordan, Julia, and Chloe, thank you so much for sitting down with me today and chatting about all things Row Rave. Um, personally, I was so excited for today and this episode and as I'm sure you noticed, I had many questions for you all. So <laughs> thank you for just walking me through the process and 
how you guys really started this successful music festival. Um, Thanks for having us. Of course. We had a great time. This was awesome. 100%. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Last shout out, anything? (laughs) I mean, I definitely just want to say, everybody, like, keep your eyes open. Like, Row Rave is not done. This is not the end. Like, we, you know, we're very excited and continue listening to our DJs. They are everything to us. And, you know, once again, they're they're the future of the music industry. So keep an eye out for everything that they're all doing, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd also like to say, I feel like, Row Rave was such an amazing experience for all of us and it honestly was something that I'll look back on and think about my college experience but also I feel like this should be an inspiration to other people who also have big ideas big dreams and you know sometimes you have these ideas you might not want to follow through with it but we we made it happen and I'm so grateful that we you know took our dream and made it reality so yeah, I love yeah. that. 100%. You just gotta go for it. Yeah, exactly. And to do it with your best friends. Yeah, nothing yeah. better. Don't be don't be scared when they say you know don't mix business and friends. You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> surprised. Yeah, 100%. yeah. You guys, you guys really did it right. And also, you heard it here first, guys. Row Rave is not done. Be on the lookout. <laughs> Follow them on Instagram and all of the things. All right. Well, I'm your host, Chloe Kopsky. Thank you for listening to Perspective. Talk to you on our next episode with yet another interesting USC student point of view.